0: Hey friends, this is Josh Blair, and I'm the pastor of Central Valley Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer for the message you hear today, that it will inspire you and encourage you to walk closer with Jesus this week. If you want to stay connected with us, please check us out at CVC Madera, both on Facebook and Instagram. And you can check out our YouTube channel, Central Valley Church. Thanks for listening. We're reading through the book of Numbers, and it's such a, and a, such a powerful book. There's so many stories in there that I wrestled with picking from when i went to come to speak today because there's there's some powerful even today's reading and through chapter 11 when the people start complaining they're sick of manna i mean that's crazy to me they're sick of manna. there's bread falling from heaven they're like i'm over it i love bread i mean if i could eat bread every day and it showed up on my doorstep i'd be like thank you jesus carb me up carb load i don't know what these people's problem is they're like give me meat so they eat they eat like pigeons that's disgusting that's disgusting. So that's a great story. I could have preached on that. Then there's a, the story of Moses getting challenged by his his brother and sister. And God's like, no, this is not going to happen. It's just, it's just amazing stories. But the, the, the one that I want to speak to us about is actually... Out of Numbers chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there now. Or if you have a, a smartphone with YouVersion Bible app on there or another app that you can use. If you have YouVersion Bible app, you can follow along with the notes that we have there as well. And the chapters are laid out there for you. But to set the scene, the people of God are leaving Sinai where they had been for a year. And they start moving into... The wilderness of Perrin. and as they're going into this journey, we we see them encounter all of these issues. And what's interestingly enough, most of the issues they start to deal with is based on their own attitudes along the way in the journey. Isn't that the true for? Isn't that true for for most of us? The stuff that we're going through in life is really affected by our own desires and our attitudes. We see this as they're going through the wilderness. And this story in particular uh, is a powerful one. And, and uh, as you're turning there. I'm going to ask this question, and then once I ask the question, then we'll pray for God's word today uh, over us. But the question I want us to answer and the one I want us to look at is what stops us from taking hold of the promises of God? What stops us from taking hold of, or another way of saying it, what stops us from participating in the promises of God? Would Would you nudge your neighbor and say, that's a good question? Come on, Chris, who are you going to say it to? Say it to me. Say it say oh come on I'll give you I'll say say that was a good question thank you thank you so much it's a good question that I want us to answer so as you, I want you to hold that in your hearts as we go into God's word today what stops us what stops me from taking hold of the promises of God or what stops me from participating in the promises of God let's pray together Lord we come to you Today, seeking your word, seeking your truth, God, we seek your face. We desire to draw close to you. We desire to know you more intimately and more fully. God, we desire to lay our lives down at your feet. God, we desire for you to do a new thing and a new work in us, God. We submit to the authority of your word today, and we say, God, your will be done, not ours. Wash us, transform us, cleanse us by the power of your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Starting in chapter 13, looking at verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, "...send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel." There's a promise. There's a land I'm giving to you. Go check it out, he says. "...from each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, everyone a chief among them, everyone a leader." So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the people of Israel. God says, I want you to go check out the land I'm giving you. Here's a promise I have for you. I want you to go check it out. Go look at it. Go observe it. See what it's all about because I want you to be prepared for it when you get into it. I want you to know what you're going to be doing in the, in the middle of it. He says, now send your leaders, not just anybody. Send people who've encountered me, people who know me. In fact, my spirit has rest, is resting upon them. I want you to send those out who will, who will lead others as well. I want, I've called these leaders to go and help people take hold of the promise. So I want you to uh, send them into the wilderness. So verse 17, jumping down, Moses sent the spies out into the land of Canaan and said to them, go into the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell there are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, whether the, there are city, the cities they dwell in, are in camps or strongholds, see whether the land is rich or poor, whether there are trees in it or not. And he says, be of good courage. Meaning, look, something you might see might discourage you, but don't, don't be afraid of it. Be of good courage as you go into the promise that God has for us and bring, actually, bring some of the fruit back. In fact, he's saying, hey, leaders, go, go into the promise. You might face something. Don't be, don't be, don't be afraid of it in fact, bring something back for us to taste and see. And now it says that it was the time of season for the first ripe grapes. And he says, look, I'm sending you into this, this journey. Come back, tell us what it's all about and let us taste a little bit before we get to it. Verse 25 says, the end of the 40 days, 40 days they're in this land. They return from spying out the land and they came to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kiddush. They brought back a word to them and all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. The, the Bible says that, that the that one cluster of grapes was so large that two men had to carry it on a pole between them because it was so massive. Could you imagine grapes that big? That would be, that'd be fun to eat. That would be fun. Maybe, maybe uh, farmers would switch from almonds back to grapes. Maybe. Could you imagine? And so they send, they bring in this cluster from the land, verse 27. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us, and it flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Saying, man, the, the just like God said it was going to be. It's flowing. Check out the fruit there. Man, we've been eating manna and pigeons. Look at this. Beautiful. Then they say, quail, sorry. Quail are better than pigeons. Okay, I take that back. I rewind my words about pigeons. They're disgusting, but quail, I'm sure, is good. Small, but delicious. Then he says in verse 28, "...however, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very strong. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there, and the Amalekites, Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea." and along the Jordan. Do you understand this is something interesting about their report? They come back, they say, it's just like God said, however, the cities are fortified. But what did Moses tell them to go do? Go see how many cities are fortified. It wasn't, a sh- it shouldn't have been a shock to them. And yet they get there and they're like, whoa, these cities are fortified. Moses should have been like, yeah, okay, how many? Oh, people are big. Okay, well, like I thought, I asked you to see if they're strong, but yet they come back and say, man, the promise looks good, but there's some stuff in the way. There's some stuff in the way, and then they begin to list all the people groups and where they live. In verse 30, though, Caleb, one of the 12, he quieted the people before Moses said, let us go up at once. Let us go now and occupy it, for we are able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We're not able to go up against these people, for they're stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people who we saw there are of great height. And they saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from the Nephilim. And we seemed, listen, to ourselves like grasshoppers, And so we seemed to them. Ten of the twelve spies forgot what their mission was and saw the impossibility that laid in front of them rather than the promise that God had for them. Ten of the twelve spies who were sent in, supposed to be leaders that people would follow, came back and, and for some reason, they forgot the promise that God had already given them And came back and gave a bad report. See, God said to Moses, gather your chiefs, gather your leaders, gather the strong ones to go ahead of the people. The ones who have seen me work, the ones that were there, the ones I put my anointing on, my hand on, and have them go spy it out. And after 40 days, they say, yes, the land is flowing with milk and honey. Yes, the promises are there. Yes, the fruit is large. Yes, it's wonderful. But wait, there are giants in the land. There are giants in the land. You ever ask yourself, what are the giants in my life that stop me from taking a hold of the promises of God for my life? Or maybe even a better way of saying it is, what are the giants that I face in my my life every day that stop me from participating in the promise of God in my life? What are these giants See, I think that the chiefs, the the, the leaders of the people allowed the obstacle in their way, the giants, to stop them from taking possession of the land. And, And honestly, I don't think it was the obstacle's fault. I think that it was the leaders and their perspective that allowed the obstacle to define for themselves the promises that they would receive and participate in and take hold of hello. There's a quote from J. Sidwell Baxter. It says this. He asked the question, what's the difference between an obstacle and an opportunity? He says, our attitude toward it. That's the difference between an opportunity and an obstacle. Every, he says, every op- opportunity has a difficulty. Every, op- every difficulty has an opportunity. Listen, as followers of Jesus, it's not about the obstacles we face, but how we will face them how we will face them. If you're taking notes this morning, my first point for us today is it matters how we perceive ourselves in light of God's truth. It matters how we perceive ourselves. It matters what we see about ourselves in light of what God says about us. And if we Neglect to take a hold of the truth about uh, of God's word. Uh, what it speaks about us, we will be pushed out from the promises. We will be able to not be able to take a hold of the promises or participate in the promise of God that He has for us in our lives. What does it say in verse thirty three? We saw the giants, and we saw in ourselves we perceived to ourselves to be like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. These leaders of Israel saw themselves in light of the obstacles that laid before them and not as God said they were. See, they had lost connection to the greatness of their God and all that he had done for them. And in their eyes, they were too small, too insignificant to overcome the obstacles to claim the promises of God. Can I ask you, what are the promises that God has for you in your life? that you're not able to take hold of or that you're not participating in. I think sometimes we think, okay, obstacles. Like, I'm not really really wrestling with a major sin or issue. You know, like, I'm not addicted to anything. Or, you know, yeah, I might struggle a little bit, but I'm not really, I don't feel like I'm in a fight right now. I don't feel like I'm in a struggle right now. But perhaps there's something in your way that's stopping you from participating in the things that God has put in your life as a fulfillment of his promise in your life. Here's an example. See, God promised that he would give you brothers and sisters in Christ, that you would have a community of believers with you, that you would not have to walk this journey alone. And yet, see, there's a promise for you, and yet you're not taking hold of it because maybe there's a giant of busyness that stands in your way. You, oh, man, I would love to be a part of what God's doing, but, oh, man, I've got so much going on, I really just can't do it. I, it's, not, it's not a possibility for me. Maybe it's a possibility for you. I'm so glad that you can join in in that and you know be encouraged by that and, and 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 be filled by that but it's just not something for me why because you have an obstacle in your way and you think the obstacle defines for you how to receive the promise perhaps there's a there's something that God's wanting to work in your life and he's provided all the solution for it but yet you have obstacles of, of financial issues or you have uh, busyness or you have in something else that gives you an excuse not to grab a hold of the promise. See, the, the yeah. obstacles, the giants, were not really what they were, isu- they were facing with. It was their excuse to not have to press in a little bit to receive it. What are the excuses that we have that we turn into giants that keep us from participating? So maybe you're thinking, man, I want to be used by God, and I would love to so to witness to somebody about Jesus, or I would love to you know, pray for people, but uh, I just, it's not in me. I can't do it. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know scripture enough. I, I'm not wise enough. What if somebody asks me a question? I don't know. I'm not about, about looking like a fool, so uh, I just can't do it. You've created a giant that stops you. Because what does Jesus say? He says, you are going to be disciples that make disciples. You're going to be those who I send into all the world, who's going to preach the good news, who's going to set the captive free, who's going to open up blind eyes, who's going to see the dead raised, who's going to see the, the, the death here again. And you say, ah, but that's not me. And perhaps you're allowing some obstacle of fear or insignificance or lack so that when you look in the mirror, you see a grasshopper. When Jesus, when Jesus looks at you, he says, I see a giant slayer. And yet you believe yourself more than you believe God's word. And we got to say, God, would you forgive us for, again, putting our opinion above your truth? See, there are promises that God has for you that he wants you to take a hold of or he wants you to participate in. They're already happening around you, but yet you give yourself a reason to be on the outside. They don't really want me. They don't really care. They don't really need my voice in this. No one's going to miss me if I'm not here. Lie, lie, lie. And you allow that lie to become a giant that creates an obstacle, and you withdraw when God says, I've already provided for you. How many of you are trying to walk this walk alone, and you struggle? And you fight, and you continue to go back into stuff that you wanted freedom from, and you think, I can't get over it. Giant's too big. And God's saying, look what I've already provided for you. What does the Gospel of James say? Confess your sin one to another so that you might be healed. The healing is already there for you, but you've pushed yourself away because you say, I can't trust these people. They don't want me. They don't love me. And you, you create giants that keep you from the promise of freedom. Keep you from the promise of joy. Keep you from the promise of healing. Keep you from the promise of hope. Come on, church. We need to be people who say, the obstacle does not define how I take a hold of God's truth. God's truth defines what I live in by his promise. Some of us are wrestling with freedom from sin. Saying, I'm caught in a cycle. I can't get out. Jesus says, you have overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And the word of your testimony. What does that mean? That takes a hold of when he said it, it is finished. It is finished. And we look at it and we speak our testimony. God set me free. I am free. God redeemed me. I am redeemed. God washed me. I am clean. My word and his blood help me overcome. Don't keep lying to yourself. Don't keep binding yourself up. When God has set you free. Some of us us are wrestling with anxiety and worry, self-doubt. and God says, I'm your living hope. And you say, it doesn't feel like I have hope. God says, cast your worries on me because I care for you. You think he doesn't care? No, he cares. And in fact, he's there with a basket waiting for you to cast your anxiety into it. Say, throw it in here. I can handle it. Come on, throw it. Oh, you don't, you don't, I can't. I got to hold this myself. And it becomes an obstacle that stops you from getting into the promise of God to live with hope, to live with joy, to live with peace. Some of you think, I'm unworthy of love. Some of us have been so scarred by others And by situations and circumstances, we think we're unworthy of love. And yet Jesus tells us uh, through through Paul and the book of Romans that while we were still God's enemy and sinners, he died for us because he loves us. Romans 5.8. How much more does he want you to experience his love now that you are his child? And yet you still think I'm an enemy of God. No, if you've come under the blood of Jesus, you're his He loves you so much. He loves you. See, when you look in the mirror, do you see a grasshopper or a giant slayer? Because we need to walk in the truth about God and what he says about us. Why is that true? Because believe it or not, you're a leader. If you're a follower of Jesus, now you've become a leader in your community. How do I know this? Because if you say you're a Christian, all eyes are now on you to see if it's right or not. True? People at work, they find out you're a Christian, they're like, okay, we'll see about that. And then they're watching you. They're examining you. That's what people do when they're they're looking toward a leader. Are they going to mess up? What are they going to do? All of a sudden now, your life is on display and you're leading people somewhere by the way you live your life. You're a leader. And can I tell you, people will follow where you lead. Because if they see the genuineness of your God in your life, they're going to want to taste and see if it's good too. So where you lead, people will follow. These leaders who came into the land, they come out of it and they're saying, not going to happen, not going to work. It's impossible. It's impossible. The promise is so good, but we'll never enjoy it. And what do we see in Numbers 14, verse 1? It says, all the congregation, they believed this this lie as truth, raised a loud cry, and the people wept all night because they thought the promise isn't for us. Their leaders let them down. See, there may be some people that you're, working with and dealing with, and yeah, they might appear to try to trip you up, they're trying to come after you, but really they're looking for hope and looking for love, they're looking for truth, they're looking for freedom, and maybe they're weeping all night long, they're looking for a leader to show them who Jesus is. See, the people begin to grumble and complain against their leadership because of this bad report, and they rejected the anointed of God. See, Moses, a lot of times in these stories, represents to us who Jesus is, a precursor, a foreshadowing of who Jesus is. And because of this, leader, the, the, the leaders of these people that Moses sent into the promised land to bring back a report, gave a bad report, and what did the people do? They rejected Moses. Sometimes people are looking at our lives, and because we're not taking a hold of the promise, because we're not participating in the promise, we're still struggling, and people are doing, looking at us and they're saying, this is what, if this is what Jesus does for you, I don't need Jesus. They reject who Jesus is. And I have to wonder, what is the report that people are reading of my life? Who does it say about God? What does it say about God and who He is? See, if I begin to live limited by my own limitations, then my impact will also be limited on people. If I refuse to believe, if I refuse to participate in what God is doing... Then they will refuse to believe and they won't participate and they won't receive the promises as well. I think this happens oftentimes as believers. Uh, we become limited or our focus becomes only on us or our own struggle, or our own issue, and we look to ourselves to make it happen. We do this often, right? If, we, we're caught in stuff or we're struggling with stuff or we're so busy and we just think, oh, oh man, I just got to gotta do a little more or I got to work a little harder or, or I just my willpower is going to get me out of this. And we just keep looking to ourselves and looking to ourselves and looking to ourselves. And that cripples us. And really what, is, what it does is it, it cuts out the, the root in our lives. So the reason why we become limited, I think, my third point is because it's a root problem. Mark chapter 4, 16 and 17 says this. These are the ones sown in the rocky ground and the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no, but they have no root in themselves, but they endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Immediately they begin to look at themselves as grasshoppers compared to the issues they face. We begin to compromise the truth, we begin to le- believe a lie, maybe because the truth of God is unpopular, maybe because it's controversial, maybe because people tell us you shouldn't live that way or, or, or believe that anymore, and we allow these lies to dictate how we participate and join into the promise of God in our lives, and now we have a root problem, and we can't stand firm. What happens is when we don't have any roots, we can't bear any fruit. So we look at our lives and we're saying, I'm not producing anything. And all it does is it creates a cycle of pushing ourselves further and further down. We're smaller. I'm even more insignificant. I'm nobody. I can't do anything. And you're like, I'm worthless. And the enemy's like, Yeah, you are. You are worthless. You're nothing. You don't matter. No one cares. No one loves you anyway. No one even likes your haircut. And you think, man, I'll never get this right. I'll never do this thing. That's what the leaders were doing. They looked to themselves. They looked at themselves. Said, we can't do it. But we have an example. Two of the 12 spies... Actually got it right. Caleb and Joshua. And they help us understand what it means to to remain rooted in the things of God. What did Caleb say? Verse 30 of chapter 13, he said, let's go now. Let's occupy it now. Let's take it now. Why? Because he believed the word of God. The word of God. He said, this is the promise of God. He said, I'm giving you the land. Go check it out. Determine how you're going to go about it. What are you going to do with it? And Caleb's like, that's what he said. Let's go. Why? Because he believed God's word. He took it as the authority in his life. No one else's words, no, uh, no, no matter those who went with him, he said, they're wrong. As the people began to cry out and weep and, to, and, and believe a lie, he says, no, you're wrong. He said, I'm standing firm on, on the word of God, and I say, let's go, because God said, let's go. He, Caleb, represents Believing the word of God in your life, even if it's contrary to everything else you see around you. Hold on to the word. And Joshua, he represents one who loved the presence of God. We read stories about when there was a tent of meeting outside the camp. Moses would go and Joshua would accompany him. And Moses would talk to God face to face and Joshua would be there with him. And then Moses would get up. And leave, But Joshua loved the presence so, of God so much, he would linger and just feel it. I love his presence. I love his presence. I want to be where God is. I want to I hear him. I want to feel him. I want to know him. I'm hungry for more. See, Joshua represented those who long to be in the presence of God. How do we make sure... That we take hold of the promise or participate in the promise. Remain faithful to the word of God and love his presence. Love his presence. Love to be with those who are with him and longing to be with him. So that you're faithful. Sometimes you got to look at whatever is trying to stop you from participating in the promise of God and confront it head on. Whatever it might be. That stops you from participating and taking a hold of the promise of God for your life. Caleb and Joshua represent the word and worship and prayer together, keeping us rooted in who God is and how He defines us. Point four is this you got to let God determine who you are. Not the world, not society, not your own thoughts, not your own feelings, but God. See, God establishes who we are because Joshua and Caleb's identity was established in God through his word and being in his presence they knew for themselves what would happen if they faced the obstacles before them. that's why they were able to say in Numbers 14 verses 8 and 9 if the Lord delights in us which he does he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land. Listen to what they say. For they are bread for us. This obstacle we're facing, it's not going to stop us. We're going to feed on it and move forward. This thing that's trying to get in our way, we're going to destroy it as we move past it to bigger and greater things. See, there are things that the, that the enemy puts in your way and you think, oh, I can't face that. I can't, do, I, don't, I can't do anything about that. I'm small in comparison. But it's not about you. It's about God in you. How big is the God that's within you that's greater than anything that you'll face in this world? They'll be bread for us. He says their protection has been removed Whatever barrier, whatever giant that you might be facing. Maybe you're not facing any type of giant right now, but you will. There will be something that come against you. Relational issues, financial issues, health issues. They're going to come at you. Whatever that giant might be, you got to look at it and say, greater is he that's in me than that, the one who's in the world. And you look at your giant, your obstacle, and you say, you're just bread. You're just bread. I'm going to move through you, and you're going to fuel me for the next journey ahead of me. See, Joshua and Caleb, they knew the obstacles weren't there to stop them, but to, they were there to propel them into their promise. They believe this challenge won't kill us. It'll feed us for the next one you got to believe. you got to remember. That's why it's so important that Jesus says we've overcome by the blood of the land that buys us our freedom, that sets us free, and the word of our testimony. Why is, why is remembering where God has brought us from help us overcome? Because it, it allows us to speak the truth that if that didn't kill me, this won't either. If that didn't take me out, this won't either. If God delivered me from that, he'll deliver me from this too. Your testimony helps you overcome. you gotta got to share your testimony with yourself. Get up in the the mirror in the morning and say, I ain't dead yet. God didn't didn't take me out, so I'm still here. He wants me to be here, so I'm going to move forward. The plan of the enemy did not succeed. I'm going forward. Look in the mirror and say, I'm a giant slayer. I'm not a grasshopper. Because God in me, God in me, helps me move forward. Whatever it is, whatever it is, ask the Lord. Sometimes we're oblivious of the obstacles that are in front of us sometimes. Sometimes we don't even know what we're facing. We've just, they've been there so long, we've just grown accustomed to them. The walls, the barriers in front of them, we just started to decorate them. Because they've been in our lives so long. We we've, we've dolled them up. Put a little ivory there. We planted some plants in front of them. We have a little art on them. We've made them beautiful, yet they stopped us from fulfilling the promise of God in our lives. Ask the Holy Spirit, what is something that's stopping me from taking hold of or participating in the promise of God that's already there for me? Ask Him. I feel like Reagan. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. Come on, history. Nobody else? Am I the only one who loves history? Come on, anybody over 50 know what I'm talking about? Whatever. Online, thank you for saying amen to that. I don't know if they did or not, but I'm just believing. Sometimes you've got to tear down the walls, come after them, say there's freedom. There's freedom because when you begin to tear down obstacles, not only will you walk in the promise of God and find freedom, but you'll do it for others as well because they're going to follow your lead. They're going to follow your lead. Here's my conclusion for us this morning, church. I want you to wake up tomorrow and every day this week and say, I'm not a grasshopper. I'm a giant slayer. I'm not a grasshopper. I'm a giant slayer. When that sin comes in to tempt you, I'm not a grasshopper. I'm a giant slayer. When, when, when financial worry comes at you, I'm not a grasshopper. I'm a giant slayer. When relational issues try to divide you and separate you, no, I'm not going to allow this thing to come in and steal our joy, steal our peace, rob us from the truth of God and what he says about us. No, we're not, we're not grasshoppers. We're giant slayers. And we're going to come after these things. And we're going we're to take them head on. When you wake up today, tomorrow, and every day, look in the mirror. I don't care if you feel silly. Do it. Take off. Man, you better. Hear. I want to. Matthew, I want to hear you yell. I'm not a grasshopper. I'm a giant slayer. I don't know why you would be a Muppet, but I want you to, I want to yell it. I want you to be like, man, I want to see texts come in. My spouse is yelling in the mirror today. Grasshopper, giant slayers. Your neighbors are like, what are they talking about? You're in an apartment complex, knock on their, the wall that shares with you. Hey, I'm a giant slayer. Because God wants you to take hold of the promise. So we've got to stop allowing our obstacles and challenges define how we live. And we allow God's word to define what's true for us. See, what God says about you matters most. That's why we want to get in God's word. How do we know what he says unless we read about it and we know it? We've got to take on his word because what he says about us matters. We want to be a community that believes his word, that encourages one another, and we break the lies that seek to define God's truth in us. Amen? Amen. We can't allow the obstacles stop us from taking hold of the promise. Amen? What stops us from taking hold of the promises of God? Not believing God and taking him in as a word. Thanks for listening to this message. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel to hear past episodes. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate it and share it with your friends. It'd help us out a lot. If you're interested in supporting the ministry of Central Valley Church, go to CVC.